We are queer. Uh, this is still Pride Month right now, and we are going to be having a debate about pediatric transition. We are joined today with two oldcomers, Nina Paley and Corinna Cohn of the Heterodorks podcast. And we have on the pro-transitionary side, Cappuccino, which is a very interesting name. And I wonder why that, uh, if you're a fan of coffee or not, we're going to find that out. And we are also going to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on here in a way only break the rules can. Where else are you going to be able to find somebody who I really appreciate coming on, a cappuccino, who would be vouching on the pro-transitionary side of a show that, let's say, you know, does not lean that much in that direction, which is why, again, I appreciate that there's going to be uh, people coming in of a different opinion, and we are just going to go right into the introductions, but before that, of course, make sure to... Uh, uh, smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, click the bell. The bell is extremely important. So here we are, everybody. Uh, cappuccino, go for it. Let us know a little bit about you and where you stand, and we'll get started. And Neil is coming. Don't worry for all the Gnostic Informant fans. Neil is coming. Anyway, Cappuccino, uh, spill the tea or the coffee. Ha, the tea. Um, so, by the way, Cappuccino is a reference to uh, Capuchine, who is a uh, famous transsexual showgirl back in the 50s and 60s. Um, and so that that was the, uh, the origin of that username. So, uh, you know, my background is that I'm a stealth trans woman who transitioned uh, not as a pediatric transitioner. I, I got my diagnosis soon after I left home and I was 18. I started hormones when I was 19 because it was very hard to get it back 20 years ago, like right off the bat. Um, in fact, it wasn't until I found a therapist who was herself a 1950s transsexual um, who later got a PhD and became a, a psychotherapist um, who approved the hormones. Um, but anyways, the, the long story short is that um, I strongly support pediatric transition for a handful of reasons. Um, and I do think that it is frankly more important uh, for male to female transsexuals to transition early, but I, I do not deny the importance of early transition for uh, early onset FTM. I am somewhat amenable to the idea that there might be a, a social, I'm not going to say social contagion, but there is a unexplained increase in later onset FTM transitioners, but that's not really the cohort we're talking about for the most part for pediatric transitions, um, contrary to like the stereotypes, especially when it comes to those who have been followed and tracked as having gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria or now gender incongruence from a young age. Part of the reason why it's so important for especially MTFs is that Testosterone is something of a one-way valve. It's it's kind of a, um, it's much less reversible than estrogen um, when it comes to the ability to integrate into society, to pass, to have sort of like the normal social, romantic, and physical life of a woman if you transition after a male puberty. It's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. I would be the first to be an example of that, I would say. But on the same token, it is much more difficult. It requires far more medicalization and it requires in many cases, a lot more lost years of life and social integration. And those are costs that many people cannot bear each one of them individually and especially in the aggregate. All right. If somebody goes through a male puberty first, 
their voice is going to be permanently changed. They might be able to voice train back into a normal female voice. I, you know, suppose that I'm somebody who actually didn't have to train all that hard to have a normally female sounding voice as far as I have ever been aware. Um, but that's not true for everyone. You know, it's, it's like a game of roulette where the house is stacked against you very heavily. Um, and like facial feminization surgery is expensive and risky um, and has, you know, inconsistent outcomes for some people. Um, some aspects of body masculinization, facial hair, you know, facial masculinization simply cannot be undone in many cases. And the ability to live as a woman, let's be honest, is predicated upon having the physical characteristics of a woman. And transitioning at, say, age 13 is almost a guarantee that you will have a normal female development because hormones are the basis for that development. And if you force people to wait, you are essentially dooming them, in many cases at least, to a life of either extreme difficulty in transitioning or a fundamental impossibility in successfully transitioning. And you'll never hear a larger set of complaints than I wish I would have started earlier when it comes to trans women. The final thing I want to point out, and I pointed this out on a previous appearance in the Heterodorks podcast, was that people would say, oh, well, it desists during puberty, like 90% or 60% or 40% desist during puberty. The numbers that people use are, are varied depending on which study they're referencing and which argument they're making. But it's all false. Desistance occurs on average at the age of eight. It occurs almost I mean, not never, but very, very rarely past the age of 12, especially for MTFs when they've been tracked. And early onset FTMs also very rarely desist past that age. Um, that is wildly misused by people who say, oh, they desist by age 18. Well, yes, technically true in the same way you could say that people desist from playing with teddy bears by the age of 18. But the real age in which they desist is much earlier. They don't desist past Tanner 2 in almost any cases. And most of those studies historically were done on people who were subjected to fairly extreme aversion therapy, which I would consider to be highly unethical and oftentimes was focused very much on gender stereotypes, not just on, say, not using a name or something like that. It was literally saying you can't dress like this. You can't have friends like this. Cappuccino. So. Yes. Uh, so I, so that was that was my introduction. I'll stop. All right, no problem. Oh, and before uh, Karina, you go. Oh, Karina, you go for it. Just want to say uh, today is Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, everybody. And also to make a point, the Russians had a uh, slavery for far longer, yet they don't even have a holiday to uh, commemorate uh, the freeing of their slaves. But anyway, that aside, Karina, go for it. Well, uh, I'm Karina. Um, some people I've been on here before, so short intro. Um, I, when I was 15 years old, my psychologist diagnosed me with uh, what was then called gender identity disorder. Um, similar to Cappuccino, when I was 18, I started hormone replacement surgery, hormone replacement therapy at 19, had uh, what was called sex reassignment surgery and is now called fluffy marshmallow kisses or something. And, um, you know, I've, I've been pretty uh, publicly against transitioning children for a variety of reasons. Um, I want to do this more as a sort of a dialogue, although I, I think uh, Cappuccino gave a very good um, background and, and sort of a, a opening statement. But um, hopefully we'll get into this more as sort of a back and forth. That's me. All right. 
and uh, Nina Paley. I mean, everybody probably knows who the great uh, Nina Paley is, genius uh, animatrix. Uh, I don't know what else uh, to say about you. I mean, you are very artistically gifted, and you have a card to recently come out, like this uh, card deck with the uh, various gender people in there. Gender Wars. Where could people get that, by the way? Store.ninapaley.com. Store.ninapaley.com. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, before uh, you reply to what you think is uh, going on here, I want to make a quick plug for myself, too. I have a substack, levepo.substack.com, and I just wrote an article today about the uh, Pride Month situation today and how it may be that the reason why 